Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10-50% to off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. And now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David came on Toya as Sadie Burbank podcast. Or as Sadie Burbank, David came on Toya podcast. It's the game plan, yeah. The uh, the show. Let's make it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David Kim Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. We are back at you live in beautiful Apple Valley, California. Well, I guess I couldn't say really beautiful. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. You know, the desert's an acquired taste. That's true. And I think it's beautiful. But then I think the inside of a brown paper sack is beautiful. I'm happy. <laughs> Most of the time, so. Um, tonight we're coming out with, because this is the first time since episode number one of William Burbank that we actually use two mics. Oh yeah, we're back to the two mic thing. So hopefully this comes out nice, because one of the things that I've noticed as recording and, and doing, doing the editing mm-hmm. is that when I kick out the background noise, mm-hmm. it drops it like two or three decibels. Mm-hmm. So, because we're at least, what, you'd say six inches to a foot away from the mic, 
you know, normally. A man six inches or a woman's? <laughs> yeah. Um, that should make it more audible for the listeners. As okay. to before, we would put it in the center of the table, and then we kind of have to lean in and as mm-hmm. we speak. So uh, that was one of the things that was really bothering me. Uh, well, because we're approaching our six months of podcasting. We ought to have it together by now. Yes. <laughs> So hopefully this episode will come out a lot more better, a lot more better. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's even better than better. Yes, more I'm better. Awesome. More, more better is much better than better. Mm. So, how have you been this week? How have I been this week? Let me think. Let me think. I guess I must have been okay if I have to think that hard about it. Let me think. Let's see. We went to a birthday party Saturday. Two birthday parties, actually. What is it with the first Saturday of June? It's funny because the second party we went to, there was another couple there, and they said they had to go to another party later. It's weird. Like, everybody's having parties. Anyhow, we went to a birthday party, one for a little one-year-old baby girl, mm-hmm. cute as a button, and then one for a guy who lives across the street from us. It was fun. It was nice. It was a cool day. Well, it was it was actually very hot, but I was cool. I had a long dress on, and it was blowing in the wind, and it was it felt cool, and it was fun. Speaking of birthdays, mm-hmm. I'm expecting my birthday present to be coming in the mail very soon. Ooh, good. Via Amazon. Oh, good. And I'm looking forward to getting all the little gadgets and gasms. I, I got stuff from my, my iPhone. Oh, oh, cool. So that's okay. Cool. That was kind of what we decided on, Lacey and I were, I was trying to figure out what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. to be honest with you, I was going to spend it on podcasting gear. <laughs> and Lacey, well, that would have been okay. It's your, you know, it's your thing to do what you want to with. And Lacey you know. made a good point. She's like, it's, you know, they got it for your birthday, something for you specifically. For you specifically. So, so yeah. oh, that's like, okay. cool. And, and you that's know, cool. like on my phone, I have that little um, light blue case that wraps around the phone to protect it. Okay. Well, my favorite color, oddly enough, is gray. I love gray. Oh, how interesting. Gray and metallic is my favorite color. Wow. So I actually have, instead of it being a plastic blue cover, it's going to be a metallic silver cover oh. that goes over it. So I'm very, really stoked about very that. Very cool. That's very interesting. I don't think that I've ever knowingly spoken to anyone whose favorite color was gray. Yes. That's... And how long have I known you now? And I didn't know that about you. It'll be 10 years in July. Really? Yes. My gosh, time flies when you're having fun. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got yourself some goodies to play with. Eventually, you'll get speakers for your stereo, I suppose. I'll get there. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's your stereo. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, so, we're going to... I, I've been promising this for three episodes now. This is episode number four. I've been telling everybody we're going to get to the emails. We're going to get to the emails, and this segment is we're going to get to the emails. <laughs> but this segment I call the brown paper email bag. Oh, that's cute. All right. Okay. I, I've got to come up with a jingle right now. We don't have no jingles for it, but I'll, I'll come up oh, with something. Oh, like letters. We get letters. Yeah, something like that. That was Perry Como's thing, but then I digress. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read, because I took the time to sit down and write out the emails and I explained why I ended up writing out the emails before Mm -hmm. we podcasted. Mm -hmm. So, um, I didn't get as far as writing my stuff, but I do have two Sadie emails. Oh, really? One short one and one long one. Oh my goodness. That's scary. (laughs) Um, The first one is for you, obviously, and it's from Robert P. And it says, I've looked up your book online and noticed that you don't offer it in ebook format. Why? I would be interested in purchasing a copy on Nook. Well, thank you, Robert, for your question. I'll let David answer that. Why don't we have it on ebook? Uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we have a a contract with. Not with Nook, unfortunately. We, mm. we actually have a contract with Kindle. Mm-hmm. And if you were to go to Amazon mm-hmm. and 
Google for a Kindle book, mm-hmm. you will find Red Hills Green Vines, Red Monkey Meat, in e, e or digital format on the Kindle. Ah. Um, unfortunately, our distribution license is strictly with the Amazon company, so we are not uh, spreading out to other e-readers. Okay. It's an exclusive. But anybody who has access to Amazon has then access to Kindle, right? right? Well, even at that, you can go... uh, Robert? Robert. Robert can go, and he can get on his laptop or his PC, Mm -hmm. and whether it be Macintosh format or Windows format, Mm -hmm. he can go and he can download a free Kindle reader. And he oh, can read okay. ebooks from Kindle oh, okay. right there on his laptop. Okay. Now, the program is free, but the book itself is not free. Yeah. Well, that's the case anyway, isn't it? I mean, any of the e reader books you pay for, don't you? Um, there is, we are actually um, a part of another program that's connected, is if you're an Amazon Prime member, mm-hmm. you can check a book out. For so much time. Like the lending library. Yes, exactly. And even though it's free to the customer, Mm -hmm. it's not really free to the customer because Mm -hmm. they actually pay like 75 bucks a year for this. Oh, wow. Um, Well, that's cheaper than, what, 20 bucks a pop? Yeah. Or 20 bucks a pop. Um, But so they can check out as many books as they want. Mm -hmm. But what they don't know, what they don't see behind the... What's the expression? Behind closed doors. Is even though you check a book out for free because you're an Amazon Prime member, we still get paid. Yeah, well, I certainly hope so. It's part of the KDP. I didn't write that book just for the fun of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, I did, but if I get paid too, that's cool. So Robert has an option then. All he has to do is go to Amazon. Download their free Kindle reader. Yes. And then... Buy the book. Buy the book, unless he's a Prime member, in which case he can rent the book or whatever they call it. Yes, he can borrow the book. Borrow the book. For free. For free. And... That's cool. And... Or option two Mm -hmm. is go buy the the new Kindle file... Kindle... Kindle... Kindergarten. (laughs) Kindle Fire... HD. No wonder that was hard to say. Yes. Kindle Fire HD. Okay. And he can go and set up his own Kindle device and read right there. Ah, uh, see, life was so much simpler when you just went to the store, picked the book, go to the book department, say, "I'll take that one, pay the money, and walk home with it in your hand." But uh, people like electronics, so there you go. And just because. I, I'm assuming by the time he hears this, he's probably going to be kind of irritated because he, he specifically said a nook. Yeah, well, which is you know. It's, I'm sorry, we don't have. We're not hooked with nook. Sorry, no. but. <laughs> well, before when we ran Dark Myth Publications, uh-huh. we had a general contract mm. with all the e-readers, mm. and that was from the. You know, you could write, read it on your iPad or you could read it on the Nook or the Kindle. Now, the reason why I'm exclusive with this is because out of the three, Amazon gives you a huge cut of the profit as to where, um, because I, I hit the iStore, I hit the Nook. You know, Barnes mm-hmm. and I checked mm-hmm. them all before I did all this. Mm-hmm. And for us on a business end... It's more lucrative. It is. Okay, well, there you go. It's always... The bottom line is always the bucks. So, Robert, thank you for your email. I hope this answer helps you. I hope it doesn't make a complicated answer out of it for you. It would probably be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Okay, the second email is for you again. Mm-hmm. And... There was actually one in between, but I, I read this one. And it was like, oh, I got it. And it was a pain in the ass to write down. Right? I have to read it to you. Okay. And this is, this is from uh, Linda W. And it said, I heard on episode 20 
leaving Burbank to email with a question or comment. I really don't have a question at this time, but I do have a comment. I'm a 68-year-old grandma, and I have fumbled around the Internet for some time, attempting to find something to amuse me. Yet, while I do enjoy videos on the Internet, that is basically it. I do not like Facebook or Twitter, and frankly use the damn thing for information information search tool. That leads me to how I found your radio show. When in Burbank, my kids and grandkids and I were talking about vacationing in California. We wanted to visit visit Disneyland, which I believe was in Burbank. I now know <laughs> I now know that the Walt Disney Studios, which is in Burbank, not Disneyland. Mm. Anyway, I wanted to see what else we could enjoy while our stay. So I put in when in Burbank. The Bing thing, the the Bing thing. Uh, oh, Bing! We were just talking about Bing. Mm-hmm. The Bing thing. On the first page, a site offered a free list of your radio shows. Episode four. Whole lot of shaking going on. I started listening weekly and can say I've become a fan who, tu- who tu- tunes in weekly. I look forward to your new program. Mm. And that's from Linda W. Well, thank you, Linda. That's very complimentary. I hope they got to Disneyland. I hope they didn't wait for... Yeah, right back and, and tell us. <laughs> you made it to Disneyland. I hope you didn't go to Burbank looking for it. As that, tall, that tall, pointy mountain is not in Burbank. <laughs> oh, I don't think they even have the tall, pointy mountain anymore. I think they tore the Matterhorn down, or they were talking about it. I don't know. I, God, Ernie went online the other day just to see how much it was going to cost. Oh, no, he read in the paper. They had a thing in the paper. They're raising the rates for California visitors again oh, to geez. Disneyland, up another five or ten bucks. I don't know. But, the, you know, <clears throat> the funny thing is when my first husband and I were first married, mm-hmm. we lived in Pomona. Uh, let me think. How am I going to describe this? All right. Pomona is uh, geez, 30 miles or so from Anaheim. Right. Uh, and uh, being poverty-stricken at that point, he was in college, and you know I was working a, a part-time job. He was working a part-time job. We didn't have a lot of money, so we would go to Disneyland because it was the cheapest thing we could do. Okay, we'd get in for a buck, a whole dollar, uh huh, a piece. Uh huh. Parking was free at the time, or minimal. I don't remember now, but it, I think it was free, at least for a while. And then we would go to a thing that they've since torn down. I just heard they tore it down. It was the Carnation Pavilion, and they had bands there, mostly of the big band sound. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we would dance the night away. We loved to dance. Both of us were very big on dancing. So, and we'd have a Coke or something, you know, and walk around and look at some of the Disneyland stuff, maybe or maybe not. Just sometimes we just went there to dance and then we'd go home. Well, in the newspaper or whatever, Ernie read an article about they they actually converted, they didn't tear it down, but they converted the Carnation Pavilion into something else with that was connected to it behind it. It was a uh, I think Adventureland or or they one of the yeah one of the others it connected with that because it used to be like the Carnation Pavilion was like here and then off to the side was the bridge that went over the hill to the Magic Castle or whatever right, right. Fantasyland and so now there's no more. Um, Carnation Pavilion, and I was not the only person who wasn't thrilled about that. Thank you. But, you know, and, and back in the day, that was a great place to go for that purpose. Kids don't want to just go and dance like that anymore. No. So I can understand why they, you know, got rid of it. <clears throat> Basically, all they sold was Cokes and ice cream. So, you know, how much Cokes and ice cream can you make? And it was a huge place. Was a very large place, so that was a lot of space that I'm sure they're making more money off of now, or going to be when they get it converted and everything. Right. 
But uh, but now, let me see. I think he said it's for kids. I think it went from eighty five to eighty seven dollars. Yeah, for a three year old, three to ten or something like that. I don't know. Whatever the age bracket is, starts at three. Presumably, under the age of three, they're free. But at the age of three, you're going to pay eighty seven bucks for your three year old to go in and walk around for how long can a three year old walk around half an hour maybe yeah and then get in the stroller and sleep the rest of the time maybe have 50 cents worth of soda pop um maybe eat a handful of food at the most okay for which you're gonna pay dearly and and maybe ride on a couple of rides or something like that and then scream and cry and whatever else three-year-olds do you know right and that but 87 dollars it just it blew my i said my god i used to pay a dollar to go in there and we, and we could they didn't even charge for rides in the beginning you just went in and rode the rides that was it you know when you've you've heard the the you've heard people talk about e-tickets yes okay e-tickets came from the ticket ticket packages that people had to buy when they to, when they would go into Disneyland in order to ride the rides they decided to, they decided to start charging for the rides and it was too complicated to charge at the ride right and nobody knew for sure when they went in what they wanted to ride so you could buy tickets uh, or books of tickets and 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 then you'd rip out the ticket and give it to the guy, and you'd go ride the ride. And the e-ticket was the most expensive, and so that's where the e-ticket ride thing came from. Because some of the rides were cheaper than others, depending on what one you went to. Right. Okay. So it's just gotten all out of hand. And I, I where does Linda say she lives? I think she said she lived back east somewhere. It, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. Okay. Well, I sort of got the idea it wasn't in town anyway. No. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I mean, I it just blows my mind to think that people are going to have to travel here at whatever expense they're going to have to, you know, flying, driving, taking the train, the bus, whatever. And then they're going to pay through the nose to go into Disneyland after that. I sure hope she's happy and not disappointed with her visit. You know, I've actually been to <laughs> Disneyland twice. I've been lots and lots of times. Well, like I said, we used to go for a date when, when there wasn't anything else uh, to do. But after that, I mean, when my granddaughters were growing up, you know, we used to go with them. But I think the last time we actually went was when our oldest granddaughter, who just turned 20 last month, uh, I think when she was about three or four was the last time we actually went. We stayed in the Disneyland Hotel, and we bought the package and we went over and walked around and went back and you know stuff like that it was a lot of fun at the time but it's just too darned expensive anymore my god and that's that's california prices god knows what they're charging people from out of the state i don't know no out of state they pay more i believe so because well you know they used to have that california package you know, a few years back, we paid 20 bucks or something like that for a all-day park hopper or some garbage. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was cheap. And that was the California deal, you know, because I think it's kind of like people who live in New York never go to see the, the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Statue Tower, of right. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty. Okay, because they live there and they figure, wow, we'll go see that someday, and then they never do, right? Right. So it's like that with Disneyland. People here figure, eh, we'll go there someday, but they never do. So they they entice them there with cheap rates. That's supposedly the big deal. But those cheap rates have just gotten way, 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 way out of hand. So anyhow, that was sort of a long answer to her uh Thing. But I'm, I'm glad she's a listener and a fan. That's terrific. I hope our new format appeals to her as well. Well, I want to give it more, you know, give the people more information, more just instead of sticking to one topic, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we can stick to one topic. Besides, it'd get boring after a while. I, that's what I was going to say. So, what are you doing? Um, what I'm doing is I'm getting actually preparing to get into the next segment that oh, we're going to oh. do. Um, For so, those of you that can't see, he's playing with the computer screen. <laughs> And that's okay, because I don't know what I'm doing anyway. I just work here. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and jump to Geek News, and then we'll get into uh, saying goodbye. Geek News, mm. again, we're going to talk a little bit about the Yotnum uh, script that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you some pieces to look at. Yes, yes. Um, there's, a, there's a character that... Um, is it right for me to say? Of course, yes, okay. yes. Are you kidding? I just got a, a spam email today from somebody I have no idea who it was from using my first name and my street address. Really? Yeah. So I guess the last name certainly won't hurt anything. Well, we've, we've talked about the fact that uh, your husband is Japanese-American. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about that quite a few times mm-hmm. in Winnipeg. So, I guess it's okay to say your your current maiden name right now is Nakata. Well, actually, that's not my maiden name. I don't mean your married name. I'm my sorry. married name, Mary, yes, Nakata. Yes. And uh, I thought it would be just fun, you know, kind of ded- dedicate that to you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I created a character with the last name Nakata. I thought that was very cool. In fact, I actually named a whole palace. Oh yeah. The Nakata Palace the or Nakata whatever? The Nakata Palace, yes. Wow. Oh, he's going to be impressed. <laughs> so, um, right now, I'm, I'm still working on putting together the script. Mm-hmm. You have to have a part for her in there, too. <laughs> but you're going to have to record it ahead of time. Yeah, the baby right. has come into the room, in case you haven't heard that. <clears throat> um, so... At this point, it's going to be two scripts. Originally, I was planning to make one movie, but because the story is developing the way it is, uh, I can't tell the whole story in two hours. Right. It's got to be more. Right. Because, and I think I mentioned this before, just off air, we were just chatting, is we've got to introduce the characters and we've got to make the viewers have an emotional connection. And that does take time. Yes. So that's what, pretty much what the first half of this movie is, is is making that emotional connection. Yeah. Then the second half of the, the film gets into the adventure. And I'm really excited about it. I'm getting... Really close. I've actually started typing it. Um, I, I'm kind of. Well, how many characters, primary characters, are there? There's three main characters. And it's going to take a whole movie to introduce them? Well, I mean, okay. The reason that the reason I bring that up is, uh, you know, the movie. Uh, well, there are several of them. Pick one where uh, you meet all the people, and then the catastrophe happens. The airplane crashes, the earthquake hits, whatever the case. Right. The first half of the movie, or the first third of the movie, is taken up with introducing the characters who are then going to deal with the catastrophe after the, after that point. <laughs> yes, you're so good, girl. Um, the, so, so what I'm sort of saying is, can you not get that... Uh, introduction and the association established in say the first third or half of the the story and then go ahead with it? Is it really going to take a whole story just to get people hooked on the characters? It's without giving away the plot. Yeah. There is the three the three characters, the three main characters. Yeah. They're all intertwined. Right. And the the connection to all of them leads to something big that will happen in the second movie. Right. And in 
in order to do that. Not even really just introducing because, like, I think the initial time when we introduce, the very first time we introduce a Yotman, the main character. Yeah. You know, it's probably a five-minute action skit. And you're you're yeah. pretty much comfortable with him. And then, yeah. you know, I introduce... Uh, so you're just talking about their actions, the story. You, you, you've just got a four-hour story is what you've got. Right. Okay. Okay, because it sounded like you were going to take two hours to introduce people, and I'm like, for three people, that's a little much in the way of introduction. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, uh, gotcha. By the time we get to, let's see, what you read was probably, you know, the one piece that I wrote last mm-hmm. night. That, that's probably the beginning of Act 2. Okay, okay. So by Act 2, the introductions, all the introductions is made. Okay. Now we're going to get into the adventure. And as we get into the adventure, we're going to get into the dilemma. And then, of course, Act 3 is the conclusion. Or So so in the story will tell, just in, in by half, that we don't make a second movie. And we, but we're able to put out a first one. Mm. The first story will stand alone. Mm. Okay. But there is more There's more story. to come. Yes. So you just have to have a prequel and then a movie. <laughs> or you could do what, uh, what is it, <clears throat> The Rings? You know, they keep doing the movies and then they go back. Oh, Star the Trek does that, too. They keep going, they keep having their shows and then they, okay, let's make a movie about everything before Star Trek. Yes. You know, that's cool. Um, and... Just because you guys, well, mainly, well, both of you, you and Ernie, oh. um, talked about making a video game. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've been researching Kickstarter more and more. The closer we get to pre-productions, the more I'm, I'm really looking into this. Yes. There is a specific place for video games to request revenue to have video games made. Uh-huh. So, there you have it. There you got it. We might have something. I, I'm telling you, that's where this is going to go. Uh, can, a lot of people say you that... You can say I said so. <laughs> um, a lot of people say that video games... Now, like if, if you talk to my brother-in-law, Aaron, he actually prefers to play video games over watching movies. Mm. That's the way cinema is heading, is to be interactive. Mm. So is theater. The thing is, theater is headed that way, too, I think. I mean, uh, the legitimate theater, as they call it, you know, like Broadway. Right. Uh, We were watching Smash. I record Smash uh, because we're fans of the show. And then we watch it later when we can. So it's like Sunday night we were getting caught up because it was the end, the finale for the season. Season finale. Yeah. And um, the... Uh, one of the the writers who was putting on one of the Broadway shows that's in the story, okay, um, he got killed. And so his uh, f- close friend, who was the songwriter and is the singer and actor in the play that they were putting on, um, took over and and they went ahead and wanted to you know put the you know the show must go on and all that kind of stuff but they also uh, several of the people involved in the production were talking about they wanted to give it a little extra oomph a little something different and the story took them to where they looked at this young man who would, had been killed, they looked at his notes and they found this thing, the, the word newsreel, and they decided to, um, the, then the, his associate friend said, oh yes, I remember he was talking about, he had this idea that the media somehow should be involved, the social media should be part of the production. And so long story short, uh, they thought it was a great idea, and they were going, of course, much faster than I was. I was still trying to figure out what they were talking about while they were planning it. But uh, what happened was they put on their production, and then uh, right there, there was like a break in it after one of the songs, and they had screens all over the place and excerpts and things about the production 
came on the screen and people's uh, they got the the phone numbers because apparently when they sell tickets uh, at least in this case when they sold tickets they had actual identification of the purchasers of the tickets and including their cell phone numbers in many cases and so they plugged those numbers in too so that they got messages on their personal cells during the production and it was all part of the whole thing and everybody loved it they thought it was great but it was like uh, kind of like looking at your computer screen and getting messages flashing at you you know about whatever you're interested in and stuff like that. For me, it wouldn't have done it, but the whole audience thing was, was all, they really, really loved it. So it looks like that is, Aaron may be talking about the same sort of thing, or am I totally off, <laughs> off, off track? I don't know, because he's, you know, he's a young guy. Yeah. He sees things in different perspectives yeah. than I do. Yeah, but what you said, he said, Say it again, what you said he said. No, he believes that the media of, like, watching a movie and playing a video game mm -hmm. eventually is going to become one entity. So it'll be more interactive. That's why, and that's what reminded me of Smash, because it was sort of an interaction kind of thing. It, it, it sort of, in, the audience at least uh, appeared to feel involved in the actual production and what was going on and they were it was very audience participation kind of thing right. you know and they were all looking which I thought was kind of weird because the first thing they'd tell you when you go into a thing like that would be turn off your cell but hey anyway yeah it's yeah. true <laughs> well for me I don't know if it's just because it's the lazy part of me kicking in hmm. but to be honest with you if I'm going to go in and watch a movie or watch a TV show mm -hmm. I don't want it to be interactive. I want to sit on my butt. I know. And Me just too. Be entertained. Me too. But you got to remember, like you said, Aaron's young. Okay. Now, uh, went to dinner with a f young friend of ours one time, and he. I know he loves us. I know he was happy to be there with us. But the whole time he was sitting there doing stuff with his cell phone. He was Facebooking people and taking pictures of his beer and putting it on Facebook and everything while we were having dinner. It's like they. Uh, and another time we went out to dinner with him and his aunt and his cousin, and they were all with their cell phones doing things. Right. And, but they were still talking to us. It's like there's there doesn't seem to be enough going on. They want more happening. And, and there's this thing about, you know, I when Twitter first came out, I thought it was weird because people were saying things like, I just got back from the bathroom, tweet, tweet, you know, whatever the hell. Right. But that's what they do. They're, they're just like, I just had a beer. Look, here's my beer I'm drinking, you know, and here's the chicken wings I'm eating. And I... I don't understand it. I, I try. I really do try, but I just don't understand the compulsion to this activity. I, d I don't get it. Now, for me, as far as, like, social media, it's, and I, I'm guilty of this all the way, is I don't, I'm not much of a, a, a tweeter. I'm not much for posting on Facebook. Well, you know I'm not. I do a little bit more on Facebook than I do on I've never done anything on Twitter. No, like Twitter. for Twitter. today, today I actually posted on. Yeah, Facebook I know you because did. Because I had something to say. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's not that. It's that there's not enough going on for them. That's the problem. I mean, they're not con they're not content to just sit in a restaurant with friends and eat a meal. Right. They have to have something else going on at the same time. That and there's you know there's 35 television screens in the place showing ball games and whatnot. That's not enough. They need more. And it, yeah, I guess I don't know what it is. I mean, what? happened to just sitting down with somebody and having a drink or a dinner and visiting. Maybe it's because they don't know how to visit anymore. They don't know how to talk with each other anymore. Because they totally do speak a different language. Right. You know, I mean, it's hashtag this, hashtag that, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. You know, there's no sentences anymore. It's all, I went downtown, hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag that, hashtag that, and that's the end of the sentence. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, because you actually, I, I posted... No idea what the fuck that's supposed to be about. I posted something last week about looking forward to you know, starting up the show again with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually used hashtag what 
what we think. Right. Hashtag. At Twitter. Or yeah. at Tunox, you put. Yeah. At Tunox at Twitter. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's the same thing as me saying um, your name, but because that's your Twitter address. Yeah. That's how it references. I know, but it's... it's the, the, the hashtag yeah. takes out phrases. They don't. They don't use those phrases anymore. Like we saw the, or they came here, or this was, blah blah. Those phrases are gone, eliminated by the hashtag. Right. Okay. And then the word, the the primary focus word is put in. Like he put in um, hashtag. His, he has dogs now, and he had put in one of them's named Bruce, and I forget what the other one's name. He put hashtag Bruce or hashtag puppies. Instead of I've got puppies, one's named Bruce, he puts in the hashtag, and it eliminates. It's like we haven't eliminated verbiage as it is. Now we're totally eliminating verbiage because we're not talking to each other anymore. We're doing it on electronic devices. Right. You know, and remember not too many, there wasn't too many podcasts ago that I said I was concerned because verbal communication is rapidly coming to a close. Yes. Well, I think we're there. For the youngsters, I think, God, I sound like an old lady, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, let's face it, I'm 72 and they're not, all right, so they're young kids, they're there. They're not verbally communicating. They can, but they're choosing not to. This this young man was sitting across the table from a cousin of his whom he's very close with, whom he hadn't seen for a good year. Well, maybe not a year. His grandfather passed not long ago, and he was back. back. Several months, okay? okay? Several months. Hadn't seen her. Sitting across the table from her. She lives in Georgia, for God's sake. Not going to see her. She's going home tomorrow. Right. Do they sit and talk about stuff together? No. She's on her cell phone, uh, hashtagging somebody. And he's on his cell phone, hashtagging somebody. And they're not fucking talking to each other. When are they going to? When she gets home, is it because they don't have anything to say and they and they they you know after after hi how are you how have you been there's not much more to say and they're uncomfortable with silence right well, and that was one of the things um i'll, I'll just go ahead and say alan you know, mm -hmm. uh, he's one of those people he'd much rather text than talk and for him he said that it, it's just easier to in the conversation it's not <laughs> it's not uh yeah, but when you're sitting in the room with the person right i mean what would, would, would he have preferred if you two were on the couch and he was texting you is that what you're saying is that what he was saying because it's, it's easier for him to instead of have just casual conversation which can lead into whatever you know just whatever type of conversation it leads into he can just end it he doesn't have to reply you see, that's that's a form. Well, he could do that sitting with you, couldn't he? Just say, I don't want to talk anymore, goodbye. Or what? I don't know. I don't know. No, listen, I, we've, we've text each other in the room, you know, next to the, you know, each other. But we text something that was private and, and it didn't need to be said verbally. Mm -hmm. So we, we text each other. No, that, yeah, that, that makes some sense if you, you know, but... Uh, but when you go out to, well, hell, you never go out to dinner. But if you went out to dinner, the two of you, okay, just the two of you, without the kids, you would you would feel comfortable sitting at table with each other and just talking, would right. you not? Right. Yeah. So, but, but a lot of people, Alan apparently included, would not. That, uh, maybe that's why they got all the TVs. You know, now I know when Ernie and I go out, it's it's funny because we, you know, 
We're together 24-7, essentially, except for when he's at work. So when he's home, we talk occasionally, but there, hours go by and we don't say anything because we've got televisions going on and we're both plugged into our computers 90, 90% of the time, unless we're out doing something in the yard or whatever. But when we're inside, the TV's on and the computers are on, or the TVs are on and we're watching TV. So, you know, we don't talk a whole lot unless we're talking about what's on TV right. or what's on the computer or what we just saw in the newspaper, stuff like that. But for the most part, we're kind of quiet people. We don't really talk a lot, which is one reason I talk my head off here. But when we go out, we'll talk a lot in the car sometimes, or we go to a restaurant, we talk. Even when there's televisions there to watch a game. Now, sometimes he'll watch a game and talk at the same time if it's something he's real interested in. He's not a big sports fanatic, so he doesn't really care. Right. You know, and it kind of, in a way, it sort of bothers me that they have all the televisions in restaurants these days. Anyhow, I'd like to just go to a restaurant and have a meal. I don't, I don't need electronic entertainment to get through my meal. I can do it all by myself with the meat and the potatoes and the fork and the knife and the guy across the table. Another new, uh, segment that we're going to be introducing weekly yes. is saying goodbye. Ah, yes. This is going to cheer you all up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is strictly just to kind of highlight people. And I, I don't want to just dive in and say, oh, this person died, this person died. I want them to have significant impact on the culture of things. You want them to be people who had significant impact correct, correct. on the culture. So this segment is called Saying Goodbye. Okay. Uh, there's been, there's actually a number of people this week, but I, I broke it down to three, three important and the very first one, I don't know if you're going to recognize the name. His name was Ray Manzik. Mm-hmm. He was one of the founding members of The Doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away this week. Mm-hmm. Um, tapping into our, our good friends over at TMZ who provide us all our information. Um, it says that he was uh, battling, let's see, long time battling a bile duct cancer. That's interesting. You yeah. Don't hear that often. No, you don't. And how long did it take him to find out that's what he had? Jeez yes. And he was 74. Uh, it says here the doors were playing the house band at Whiskey, opening acts like Van Morrison, when a recording exec discovered them and gave the band their first big record deal. Hmm. So that's saying goodbye. So That's a milestone right there. We say goodbye to Ray. Bye. And then we also have another one. Um, and I kind of feel silly now because I asked you about this person. And when I asked you about her, you just kind of gave me like, are you fucking stupid looking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, have, I, I, I don't have good control. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to look at you like that. (laughs) And uh, this young lady, her name was Jean Stapleton, Mm -hmm. and she was best known for her iconic role as Edith Bunker from All in the Family. Mm -hmm. Um, She passed away this Friday in New York City, and she was 90 years old. According to family, Stapleton passed away from natural causes. And, um, I mean, well, how did you put it? You put it best. You, you said... I said anybody can put up with Archie Bunker is okay in my book. Because <laughs> uh, anybody that's ever seen All in the Family or the reruns thereof, uh, if you ever watch it, uh, Archie Bunker, her husband in the show, was uh, an iconic... Um, uh, segregationist, racial bigot, uh, and just general all-round hateful kind of person. He didn't like or approve of much of anything, but he especially was bigoted, uh, especially uh, with regards to black people. Right. And and the fun of the of the show was 
seeing him put into situations where he had to really stretch his awareness of not just black people but of himself and of how bigoted he really was and of course his daughter's uh husband meatball as he called him um uh, he was no good because he had long hair and he was a hippie and he was, uh, you know, Archie just didn't like anybody that wasn't exactly like Archie Bunker. That pretty much is the way that went. And, but Edith was the soul of patience and understanding and cheerfulness in spite of it all um, and, uh, and loved him with a love beyond understanding. <laughs> And she she will be greatly missed. Her talent yes. uh, will be greatly missed. And she lived a nice long life. At and life. she did do that, yes. She did indeed. So we say goodbye to Jean Stimpleton. Now, the next person on the list, um, he's not super iconic. Um, but the reason that I decided to add him to the list is the man had balls. I mean, there, there's no other way to just... He chased tornadoes for a living. You know, when a yeah. tornado touches down, the, the normal thinking, intelligent population goes, oh, there's a tornado coming to me. Let's go the opposite way. Mm, or at least dig a hole and climb in it, yes. Not for Tim Samaras. Yeah. Tim Samaras, he, he would just go straight into the, the eye, you know. And unfortunately, you know, there was that Oklahoma tornado that hit in more Oklahoma, which was just devastating. And unfortunately, he was chasing that tornado. Was it that one he was chasing or the subsequent one? I couldn't remember. Um, Again, according to our friends at TMZ, um, it says that one of the stars of the Discovery Channel show, Storm Chasers, mm. was one of the nine people who died Friday in the tragic tornadoes that hit Oklahoma. Samaras's son, Paul, and a colleague, Carl Young, died with Samaras while chasing the tornado, relatives told CNN. Samaras's brother, Jim, posted on Facebook page, thank you to everyone for the condolences. It is sad that we lost my great brother, Tim and his great son Paul. Our hearts go out to the Carl Young family as well as they are feeling the same feelings we are today. They all unfortunately passed away doing something they loved. Mm. So to Tim we say goodbye. They flew away. Yes. Hmm. So now as we move into I'm trying to keep this all going. And keep going. Keep keep us on on the straight and narrow. Um, I, I haven't quite came up with the name, so this is kind of uh, a temporary name unless we come up with something better. Mm-hmm. And this is called the Helping Hand. Okay. And as we look at the news, we always see something that's negative. And with Helping Hand, I wanted to find people maybe, you know, Hollywood stars or someone in a celebrity spotlight that has actually done something positive. Oh, that should be easy to do. There are several who have done, actually. And this week's Helping Hand actually goes out to one of my favorite um, people. I, when I was a young child, I was a big wrestling fan. I mean, really big. And... Me being a big kid, I always foresaw myself being a wrestler, and I always wanted to be like Hulk Hogan. And that is today's helping hand is Hulk Hogan. Um, let's see if I can actually. There's what happened is is uh, Hulk Hogan, his wife and his daughter, they were out on on the lake, and they were in their, their boat. They noticed something was smoking. They ran, well, Hulk ran to the engine, lifted it up. He was looking in, and he noticed that steam was coming out of the cap. And as steam was coming out of the cap, his daughter, Brooke, leaned over. Her face was almost right over the cap. As the cap, from what I understand, popped up, Mm -hmm. Hulk 
just fatherly instinct, mm -hmm. grabbed the cap and held it down. And pushed her out of the and way. And pushed her out of the yeah. way. Now, there is an actual picture of his hand. Oh, God. Yeah, hand-burning accident. Dumbest thing I've ever done, he said. I don't know if it may have been dumb, but it was certainly courageous at the same time. He did the only thing he could see that needed to be done to right. save his daughter. So if he hadn't done, she'd have surely been killed. Yes. How old was she? Is she? Uh, she's... She, if she's not in her late teens, she's in her early 20s. Well, still, it wouldn't have done her any good. No. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, if, to really get what we're saying here, you, you should really see this, and that is um, just go to Google and type in Hulk Hogan burning hand incident. Yeah. And you can see this, his, you can see where he held it down with his fingers. Mm hmm and well, and his palm of his hand looks like it's got a big round burn on it. Yes. Unless I'm not seeing that correctly. No, yeah. So, hmm. let's see. We're actually going to try to play the video here. Let's see. Because that's another thing that I want to start including is video. We, we forgot we, the last episode yeah. that we've been adding video. So, here we go. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Hulk Hogan saving lives. A hero. Not, not just in the ring, in real life this time. After a pretty nasty accident down in Florida. It's a pretty big deal. He's going to walk us through. He's on with us uh, now. Uh, Hulk, welcome to TMZ Live. Oh, so now you guys are turning me into a hero, huh? Oh, probably, probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Why is it dumb? Well, I mean, come on, brother. Everybody knows you're not supposed to touch a hot radiator. Well, so, okay, well, you said, hold on. We're going to tell the story first. Okay. Then we were going to say, well, that was dumb. We're going we're gonna to rewrite. You're going to hear the biggest bonehead thing that anybody in professional wrestling ever did. <laughs> Can't believe Hulk Hogan did it. It's just so stupid. He joins us right now. Hulk, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you. At least you know that I make a living. I can pull out myself. Now I'm going to say thanks. Thank you. Okay, what happens? Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, I was on the boat with uh, my wife, Jennifer, and Brooks. And, you know, of course, right before we went out to the, the big ocean, all the police were in the channel before we leave. And I knew all the Pinellas County sheriffs and the Marine Patrol and the Clearwater Police, all the boats, just waiting all friendly. And Brooks goes, Dad, there's smoke. So as I opened up the engine cover of my boat, I've got two big Piper motors in the boat. It's an offshore racing boat. And all of a sudden, the smoke poured out of the boat. It like we had a huge fire in the boat. Well, at the end of the day, all the police come running up to my boat. They all tied off my boat. And it was a radiator cap that was blowing steam like a teapot. And basically on these high-performance motors, they've got a radiator cap. Uh, a little if there's too much water in the radiator, it blows off the steam. So... Mm. Since I had both on the boat and Jennifer, I wanted to look like the E-Man, like I could fix it instantly. Since I had all the police waiting in my boat looking, um, I reached out with a towel just to push the release button. And for some reason, the radiator cap was only halfway jiggled on or turned halfway on. When I pushed the release button, the cap just blew. All the steam comes out, and that's why we're looking at these photos of of your hand, which you were very nice of you to tweet those out to everybody, Hulk. That was, uh, yeah. really. The weird thing, weird thing was, Harvey, when the cap blew up, it felt like somebody shot the palm of my hand, like with a shotgun, and I knew Jennifer and Brooke were being kind of leaning over, looking at the engine bay, being kind of nosy, so I held the, I held the, the, the radiator cap on as long as I could, uh. and told them to get away, so I held it, and I held it, and I held it, whether it was for two seconds or ten seconds, I don't remember, because I get weak in the knees and kind of like, Drifted in and out for a minute as everybody was asking me 10 million questions. I just kind of like was in La La Land, but it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. So, um, ultimately, what caused this thing? Um, either the cap wasn't put on all the way, or maybe there was too much water in the radiator, but it was on me because whenever you go on the boat, you should check everything before you even start the engines. But, um, so at the end of the day, it was my fault. I can't blame anybody else. Okay, I'll so, Hulk, I want to give you the, uh, we're, we're out of time, but I want to give you the silver lining in this thing. Silver lining is this. You're lucky you weren't on the Carnival Cruise Line because if you were in the mood to become a hero, think of how hot that radiator cap would have been over the weekend with the Carnival Cruise Line caught fire. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I just thank God that I held my hand there long enough that it didn't hit. Quick question. Broke in the face of that water. Quick question before you go, Hulk. Since your hands are all, since your hands all messed up, does that mean you're not going to be able to work out at all? 
hand does look like it got cooked. Yeah, it did. Too bad. Too bad. Um, could you tell if it was right or left? It looked like left. It looked like his left hand. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's not left-handed. Well, that's it for this week. I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Miss Sadie Burbank. And you heard what we think, so now you know. Good night, folks. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya as Sadie Burbank Podcast. Or as Sadie Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. The game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's go make it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit.